more than help. We cry out for hope. Because sometimes that help that we seek or determine is what we need. Doesn't happen that way. And sometimes we find ourselves going through afflictions, and sometimes we see ourselves going through trials and tests. And we want to maintain our faith, but come on, let's be honest with each other this morning. Aren't there times when you're going through certain situations and circumstances that your faith is tested? Now, maybe you're better than I am. But I know there are times in my life when I, God, where are you? What's going on? You see, I was brought into this experience of salvation with the idea that everything was going to be wonderful. If I came to Jesus and gave him my life, all the, th and I had so many problems and he would take care of them and I'd be a new man. And, I'd, and I was excited when I first got saved. I was, you know, wow. I would travel with David Wilkerson as we were going to various churches trying to raise funds for Teen Challenge in New York City. And I'd get up there and I'd testify and I'd be on fire for God. And I've told you this story before. One day in a little white clapboard church in Maryland, I was giving my testimony and everybody got all excited and blessed and everything else. And, and usually when the service was over, Brother Wilkerson would tell the people, you know, you can give these boys a Pentecostal handshake. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? You kids know what that is? Practice it. It's good. Practice it. That, that, that's a real blessing. And they got a, here, see that? You don't let anybody look and say, bless you, sister. And God say, you see, you did that very well. Yeah. No, no, no. It's a blessing. And so we would, you know, we would go to the back of the church and people would meet us. And, you know, it's one of those things. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. But while I was in the back receiving the blessings from the people, one old geezer, I mean, he was a crunchy old man. He came up to me and he looked me right in the eyeball and he says, well, he says, Sonny, you keep this going, you keep this first love as long as you can. It's the first time I, you know, what? And I said, well, what do you mean? Said, oh, you haven't heard, have you? He says, what do you, this isn't going to last forever. Well, he was right. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> but what, the, the thing that I'm trying to bring in here is that sometimes when we have this relationship with Christ and we know we are children of God and, and he loves us and takes care of us, comforts us, provides for us, heals us, mends the brokenhearted. There are times when we are on this side of the manifestation of his grace 
or we think, because we're never on the other side of the manifestation of his grace. We're on the, this side of the manifestation of our expectations. And then we begin to worry. You know, usually it's not God who we are concerned about. We know that he's faithful. You know, we've been taught that. We believe it in our hearts. But how many times when things aren't going the way you want them to go? Come on, let's be honest. Go ahead, sir. How many times you start examining yourself? And you start thinking, what have I done wrong? There must be something. Because we think that if we are in right relationship with God, that everything is going to be perfect. But perfection isn't delegated just to situations. Perfection is delegated to God's plans and purposes. And trials and tribulations and afflictions, they're not our enemies. I know, I've, I've, I've been there. Oh, man, yeah, yeah, talk all you want. That's easy for you to say, but man, you don't know what I'm going through. You're right. I know. My, your faith and your hope can't be predicated on the fact that I do or do not know what you're going through. Your faith must be based on this simple fact. He does. And sometimes in our darkest hours, it's difficult to see that flickering light. That's when we've got to gather our spirits, collect the thoughts of our mind, and take authority over these things that would come and subject us to negativism and, 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 and all kinds of horrible situations and say, you know what? I'm going to be this morning like David. And let me tell you something. David was one of the worst sinners in the Bible. And I'm not talking about it's going out there and sit on rooftops and look at naked women and you know, say, rah, rah, and all that kind of stuff. What are you giving me a smirk for? <laughs> oh, he did. <laughs> Here you take David, a little shepherd boy, and look at the accomplishments of his life. What did he... First thing that we are introduced to David, he comes out and he's, what, 12, 13 years old, little kid, skinny, scrawny, last of the litter. 
and he does his monumental task, he defeats Goliath. Wow. I mean, we're still talking about it. What a great accomplishment in his life. And then he goes out and he has so many accomplishments. I mean, you got so many books just devoted to his accomplishments. And then you read his Psalms, his hope and his encouragement. You look at it and you think, man, what was David's greatest thrill in his life? Was it killing Goliath? Was it defeating the Philistines? What did he attribute as the greatest asset that ever occurred to him? Psalm 119, verse 71, he tells us. It was good for me that I was afflicted. What? Come on. What are you talking about, David? Well, it's kind of like where I am today. I remember the conflicts I've faced in my life. I still feel the pains of some of the things that I contributed to as far as my suffering and affliction. And I remember the nights that I would lay down on my bed and I, I just, man, I didn't want to wake up the next morning. My history is littered. Some that I was directly responsible for, others I was just an innocent victim. Time after time, I was told that I was destined for greatness. And then I look at my surroundings, look at my circumstances and situations. And I felt as if, man, something's wrong. And that something wrong is, well, can't be with God. So it's either got to be with you or it's got to be with me. Well, you see, my whole thought process was perverted. <coughs> see, I was thinking Something's wrong. But I didn't realize that the Word of God was assuring me everything's okay. Everything is okay. All things. 
not just the things that bother me. I mean, not excluding the things that bother me. Not excluding my heartaches, my pains, my sufferings. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. See, David understood that. He knew that if he was left to his own character, that he would make a mess out of everything, just like Saul did. Difference between Saul and David? Saul could not stand adversity. He tried to fix his situation every way that he possibly could. If somebody he thought wronged him, he tried to get rid of them. But David, he looked at adversity as God's training tool. Preparing him for his destiny and his calling. when he stumbled and fell when he went through zigzag his family families of all of his friends were taken into captivity their homes and towns destroyed and everybody turned against him he understood that these things weren't meant for his destruction. He was able to grasp the mind of God and say, you know what, fellas, don't worry. Don't look your circumstances because they're lying to you Whew. they're lying to you they're telling you that everything is miserable you can't go on in life oh how horrible it is oh for I weren't born David understood something. He believed in the prophetic when the anointing came of the prophet and declared that he was going to be the king of Israel. He believed it. And when disaster, unmitigated disaster, befell him, and everything that could go wrong. He summons that remembrance of the call of God, the promise of God. And he was able to say to his men, don't worry. 
will deliver us. And that became one of the greatest testimonies of his life. Because what did he do? He recaptured his families. And not only recaptured his families, but all the assets, all the values of the enemies became his. If he had not been afflicted, he may not have gone out in pursuit of his calling. It is good that I was afflicted. You know, a few verses after 71, I think maybe 75, 74, someplace in there. He says, God in his mercy and love and compassion afflicted me. What? No. You see, he understood that when he encountered trouble, trouble wasn't meant to defeat him. Troubles and afflictions were meant to strengthen him. And we see it in everyday life. This afternoon, there's going to be a football game. Who's going to win? The team that wants it the most. Yesterday, last night, if those of you who follow football, you realize that the best team doesn't always win. The Ravens got pummeled last night. Beat, yeah, it's yay is right. The team that was considered out of the running a month and a half into the season. Terrible losing record. But they took their burdens, their record, their failures, their afflictions. And instead of wallowing in them, letting the circumstances dictate to you the attitude that we should have. They looked at their circumstances and they said, you know what? We're better than this. And yesterday, if you would listen to the game, if you really, if you had listened to the pregame interviews about the team, all the experts, including our glorious coach Cower, said, <laughs> there's no way, no way, Tennessee is going to beat New England. And they heard that it was written on headlines every place. New England, what did I say? Yeah. Oh, no, Tennessee. New England, Baltimore, same thing, you know. New England lost the week before or the day before. I mean, that was, they weren't supposed to lose. But you know what? They took their adversity and instead of 
letting it weigh them down. They used it to strengthen themselves. And they only had confidence in the natural. So I'm asking you this morning. I don't have to depend upon my natural giftings to bring me into my victory. I only have to depend on the word of the Lord. Wasn't it Peter who wrote that these trials are light afflictions, he calls them. He's being chased all over the known world at that time hiding from places and ultimately being crucified upside down, cursed at, ridiculed. <laughs> and he calls us these light afflictions. Work for us a greater work in glory. For when we've been tried, See, I'm not looking at the process. I'm looking at the finished product. I'm not looking at the course. I'm looking at the end. Isn't that what Jesus did? He understood the agony the horrors of the cross. When he was sweating as it were great drops of blood in the garden of Gethsemane and he's petitioning, crying out, pleading, if it's at all possible, take this cup from me. That's our natural response. There's nothing wrong with that response. Yes, I feel horrible. Yes, I feel weak. Yes, I wish I had, didn't have to go through this. But there's something inside of me that says, you know what? God has not suffered me to be tested or tempted above that which I am able to bear, but God is faithful with all of these trials, with all of these situations, with all of these circumstances, afflictions, and adversarial happenings. He has made a way of escape. And not only am I going, you know, here's the beauty of coming through your afflictions you just don't come through on this side and say finally everything is alright because that's not the purpose of your afflictions you come through them and not only is everything alright 
But David will tell you. Paul will tell you. Peter will tell you. And if you don't listen to me, I'll tell you. It just doesn't come out all right. It comes out glorious. So what do I do? We all go through. You read the scripture. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And affliction, your affliction may not be my affliction. But I guarantee you every affliction is tailored to fit you specifically. Not me. I don't understand it. I might say, oh, I know what you're going through. No, I don't. He was tempted. What? In all manner of temptation. Yet he overcame. And he understands what we're going through. And that means he understands what we need. He knows what to give us. I know, I know. It's a paradox of life, paradox of our faith. How could the bad things that seem to happen to me end up working for my good? Well, it's a principle of life. You want strength? You got to put yourself in some kind of situation that creates a tension. You want to be a strong man? Lift up those weights. You want to be a marathon runner? Start and don't stop when you begin to hurt. Press through. For on the other side are the accomplishments of life. And with us, Nobody enjoys it. Jesus did not have a blast hanging on the cross. But you know what? You know where his joy was? And he had joy on the cross. His joy wasn't because of the cross. His joy was because what was waiting for him. And because he endured the affliction, he received a name that is of a very name. Persevere, my friend. Don't acknowledge the negativism of your trial. Don't give in to it. It's a process. And there's something good 
that's about to happen. There's something good that's on its way. Learn this lesson. The greatest lesson of our faith. I can. I can. Carrying the burden. I don't know. If, I don't know. But I've got to answer my doubts with the word of the Lord. When you think you can't, you need to declare. Come on. I can. And it's not declaring it to me that counts. You can try to convince me that you think that you can, but it's when you convince yourself that you can that you do. Celebrate. How many times have I said this? In anticipation of the manifestation yes. of God's glory in your life. Don't wait till it comes to pass because that's not faith. That's just facts of life. But when you can see beyond the pale and realize, you know what? I'm not destined for this. I'm destined for that. So, I don't know why minister, I can got my notes up here and Pastor Gideon went up and got them, brought them down for me. Like I said earlier, I don't know why I said what I said. Except to know this. I think I needed to hear myself preach today. I needed to remind myself when the doctor says two weeks to live that that's not a problem that's just if it happens the way he says glory be to God that's the greatest anticipation I have is getting out of this body of clay and if it God wants to he could use me as a testimony of his grace and power. Johnny Erickson said this to my wife many years ago when she had her program on radio here about her affliction, the terrible accident that left her paralyzed when she dived into the pool and broke her neck and she was paralyzed for the rest of her life. And all the people, I, I, and charismatics back then were saying that, well, she just, her, her paralysis is just an uh, evidence of her lack of faith. And when my wife asked her, you know, during the conversation, I don't know how it came up, but Johnny said, you know what? 
this affliction is a blessing. How could it be a blessing? You can't walk. You need assistance. I said, you know why? Because my heart desire is to serve God. And she said, then I go to hospitals. And I see people who are in wheelchairs and are paralyzed. And I can go over to them and talk to them about the love and the grace of God. And they listen because they see me in a circumstance like theirs. Could you do that? You go in, you say, oh, brother, it's going to be all right. You well, how do you know? So sometimes the burden is meant to be a testimony. The number one principle of our faith is what? His grace is sufficient. Would you accept that and embrace that this morning? Yes. Just accept that and embrace it. Instead of getting beaten up by your circumstances, just clothe yourself with that promise. His grace is sufficient. I don't know why I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't like going through what I'm going through. But I know that what I'm going through, I'm not going through alone. Do what David did, Marilyn. Ron. Remember the word of the Lord. The reality is not the promise. The prophetic is the amen. The prophetic is the amen. Father, I thank you this morning for allowing me this privilege of ministering to your people. To speak to them as you would speak to them. To comfort them. Not by the promise that, oh, don't worry, this will work out some way or the other now. But to give them the assurance that no matter what it is, just like David said, it's for my good. It's for my betterment. And sometimes, Lord, you know that that's a difficult position to take. But let me use my circumstances and situations as a testimony of your grace. Let others who know about my heartaches, my pains, 
my sufferings, my failure in health and my finances. Let them see my persistence in you, my resolve in you, my confidence in you, my joy in you as a testimony of your wonderful grace. Use me, Lord. Use me to be that trumpet that calls out the fact that victory is ours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, and everybody said, Amen. Would you lift up your hands unto the Lord now? Lord, minister.